There's a lot to dislike about the Philadelphia Flyers. And there's even more to dislike about their fans. They refer to Sidney Crosby as Cindy, which is sexist. Hashtag me too. They talk about the Penguins' two bankruptcies, even though A, who cares about that? And B, that franchise and city have been morally bankrupt for years. Most of the franchise's heroes are dead or drunk, whether it's Kate Smith or Ed Snyder or Pelly Lindbergh or Bernie Perron or Reggie Leach. But what I dislike most about Flyers fans is they don't get that their team doesn't count anymore. They haven't won a Stanley Cup since 1975 and have lost six times in the final since then. They've made one final in this millennium and just two in the past 31 years. The Flyers are black and white TV, they're print media, they're grunge rock, they're flip phones, they're the Rocky statue. But don't worry, Flyers fans, it will all be over soon. In the meantime, guess what? You just made the list. The list brought to you by Matt Mertz Plumbing Cut on a name you can trust. Call 412-367-0815 for all your plumbing, heating, and cooling needs. Mike Solomon at 5.30. Ticket giveaway also at 5.30, so stay tuned. You're on the home of the Penguins, 105.9 The X. Pirates are leading at Wrigley Field 8-3. The Pirates will be 8-2 if they can hold on. Bully for them. It won't get them in contention. It might get them 500. Everybody on Twitter saying, see, fat ass, they're a good team, fat ass. Yeah, we'll see how long they're a good team, and we'll see how good they are, even if they do exceed expectations. If you losers out there in loser land want to artificially set 500 as a demarcation of success, wow, finishing 500. Only a loser would see 500 as a successful season, especially after the Pirates made the playoffs as recently as 13, 14, and 15. I'd rather talk about the team that's won the last two championships, a team that always does its best to compete, except at times when it benefits them to not compete. The Penguins know when to be bad, and they certainly maximize when they're good. And that's what the Pirates don't do. They don't maximize when they're good, and that's why I have no respect for that organization. I'll tell you what, too. I have to say this. I've always thought the people who talk on the fan were stooges for the Pirates, most of them. And boy, now that they're doing well. Those guys are all stooge, 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 horrific. Yikes. Hey, you know what? I'm going to go a couple times. Of course, that'll be in June. By the time I go, they'll be probably under 500. 412 Pens and Flyers. That's where the discussion should be, where the discussion must be. I keep going over it in my head time and again. I don't see how the Flyers win this series. 
I don't know what they have to do to win it. Actually, I do, but I don't see them doing it. The Flyers have to have a very high shooting percentage, and the Penguins have to have a very low shooting percentage. The Flyers play like the Penguins, only they're worse. They take risks. They try to make plays. They're fun to watch. But can Giroux outdo Sid? Can Voracek outdo Gino? If the matchup is forward against forward, the Penguins have that licked. If the matchup is defense against defense, the Penguins have that licked. If the match is forwards against defensemen, the Penguins win that battle. Again, I just can't see a logical way the Flyers win this series. Then again, the bad news is there's no law that says logic has to be involved, and you can indeed get lucky out there. Let's go to Matt in Bridgeville. Matt, you're on the Mark Madden Show. Hey, Mark. Uh, So I understand this Flyers team is a little different than some of the others we've seen in the past, but how long do you think it'll take before the Flyers try to devolve this series into something where they want to injure our players? Why is everybody so concerned with that? Have you watched the Flyers play this season? I have. No, I have. But I just understand that it's still the Flyers, and in the back of my head, I just To a degree, it's in their DNA. I I don't know. I think this series is going to be over so fast, the Flyers won't even have enough time to get frustrated. I hope so. You You know what your worry should be? What if Giroux and Voracek really go on a tear and the Penguin Stars pick an inopportune time to slump? That should be your worry. You know, don't worry about don't worry about who gets hurt because people get hurt in playoff hockey. Whether or not the Flyers try to do it, it's an aggressive brand of the game being played out there and people are going to get hurt. Just worry about winning tomorrow night. One thing I've learned about being a fan of the Penguins and very intently watching playoff hockey it really is a one-game-at-a-time proposition. You don't worry about the long run. You worry about the short run. And little increments put themselves together if you're a good team playing well. <laughs> and the long run takes care of itself. Let's go to Bill in the Jeep. Bill, you're on the Mark Madden Show. Hey there, Mark. How you doing? Hi, Bill. Hey, um, I know you just said not to uh, worry about the injuries, but hypothetically speaking, do you think that the Penguins would still have the Flyers' number even if Matt Murray would go down? Yeah, what if, uh, what if like, five Penguin regulars all get the flu tomorrow morning? What will happen then, do you think? I see your point. I don't see the point in worrying about something that probably won't happen. And if it does happen, there's nothing to be done about it. Now, if you're going to ask me, do I think the Flyers could beat, excuse me, do I think the Penguins could beat the Flyers with their backup goalie in Casey to Smith? Uh, yes, I do in a series. It'd be tough, but I think they could. There aren't many teams. The Penguins could beat with the Smith and goal for a series, but I believe the Flyers probably are one of them. But let's hope it does not come to that. Let's go to Evan in Bridgeville. Evan, you're on with Double M. Hey, how you doing, boss? Terrific. Hey, uh, my question for you was, I mean, you've, you've kind of talked a lot about it. Um, is there anything the Flyers, in your opinion, do better than the Penguins? Uh, no. No, not even uh, on the power play. I know they're pretty decent at getting shots to, to the, the Penguins' net power play is ranked first in the league. 
and it's the best in franchise history. I like the way the Flyers run their power play, but there's no way we could possibly say that the Flyers' power play is better. No, no, I didn't mean the power play in general. I just mean, like, from the point, you know, getting defense involved. The yeah, the only, thing that matters, the only thing that matters on the power play is when the puck goes in the net. There's no style points. No, there's, there, I don't see any advantage the Flyers have. Not one single advantage. Let's talk to Tom on the turnpike. Tom, you're on with the super genius. Hey, Mark. Uh, first off, congrats on Liverpool. It was uh, great. <laughs> uh, second off, everyone's making the comparison to 2012 with the Penn Flyers, but I actually want your opinion on, the, on 2013 where they played Boston, and they came into that series sweeping them in the regular season going 4-0 against them and then got swept out themselves in the in the playoffs. And basically the our stars slumped and Boston went on a run. And you you just kind of said that's what Philly Yeah, but, but to... that, that Boston team was a lot better than this Philadelphia team. I agree. I agree. I'm just wondering if – I guess that's, that's my only fear with this series is that would ha- something like that would happen again where Philly just catched fire and Sid and Gino just – like they did in that series. Yeah, that's a concern. I don't see it happening. Thank you for the call. Let's go real quick to Chuck in the truck. Chuck, you're on with Mark. Hey, Mark, how you doing? What up? Hey, uh, two quick comments, and I'll hang up and listen to your thoughts. Uh, the one edge and the only edge that I give Philadelphia is um, hunger and the fact that they haven't played for a cup in so long. And the other thing I wanted to get your thoughts on. Yeah, you don't think the Penguins are hungry looking to make history? Because I think they might be. They might be, but they're tired. I mean, they they seem to play their best hockey when they play a lot of hockey, which leads me to my other point. Do you think sweeping them in four or winning in five games is more of a detriment to the Pens? Because they play their best hockey when they play a lot of hockey. No. (laughs) I think you couldn't possibly be more off. Uh, I think what the Penguins need... Badly, if they're to have a realistic chance to win the Stanley Cup for a third consecutive time, they need a five-game series in one of the first two rounds. If they can get that like week off between series, that would serve them serve them very very well. Let's go to Jonathan in North Hills. Jonathan, you're on with Mark. Hey, Mark. I just wanted to see uh, which first-round matchup in the playoffs you think has the highest potential for an upset. Uh, like me personally, I think uh, the Kings could maybe uh, have the Knights seven, possibly. No, the uh, the Knights will kill the Kings. That's a perfect matchup for the Knights. The Kings are, are old and slow. I think the Knights will just skate them into the ground. Uh, I think New Jersey-Tampa has the potential to be a long series, but I think New- I think that Tampa will prevail. I don't know. Would Toronto over Boston be an upset? I could see Toronto winning that series. Very true, very true. I could see Columbus beating Washington. I could see anything happening. It's the NHL playoffs, for God's sakes. We got Joe and Brian on hold. Please stay on hold. We got Mike Sullivan at the bottom of the hour. It's the Mark Madden Show reminding you, we are Liverpool. Tra-la-la-la. We are Liverpool. Tra-la-la-la-la-la-la. 105.9 X. Now the super genius, Mark Madden. Are you speaking from the inside of an electric razor? Yeah. Luke, I am your father. The X at 105.9. Got a lot of callers lined up. Let's go straight to Brian. Brian, you're on the Mark Madden Show. 
Genius. What up, man? What up, man? Hey, I think the core players on both these teams are very familiar with each other. I think Chris Letang is going to shine, and I think the Flyers will be lucky to win two. Well, I think they're only going to win one. I hope Chris Letang does indeed shine, and I think that uh, moment is upon us. I think Tanger uh, took a while to get back from that neck surgery. Probably didn't take enough time off. I would never say he came back too early because if the doctors cleared him and he felt comfortable, then, hey, go ahead and play. But uh, perhaps he could have done with a bit of a break. I don't know, but uh, I think Tanger's played better and better the last uh, month or six weeks of the season, and I think he's ready to become the Chris Letang night in and night out, shift in and shift out that the Penguins need him to be. Let's go to our good friend now, the Hebrew Hammer Hammer, Yakshmash. Yakshmash. Mark, I am listening to your show. I'm listening to several others in the uh, tri-state area. How are you doing that all at once? Uh, throughout the day, Mark. Throughout the day. Okay, go ahead. Anyhow, I'm listening to the show, and it seems pretty good for the Pens, uh, not only to win this series, but the next few, and maybe even win the Stanley Cup. But we are in Pittsburgh, and it seems like that Homer sentiment uh, pervades the radio waves here. So I kind of like to listen to Well, it doesn't pervade the... mine. I, I can talk myself into believing that any team I support can lose any game or any series, and uh, it gets a lot tougher after this. But this will be tough as well. But I'm sure you would agree, Hammer. How could you not? That if the Penguins could have picked any of the 15 other teams to play, especially the seven in the Eastern Conference half of the draw, if the Penguins could have picked any opponent, they would have picked Philadelphia. Yes, I do think it's a favorable matchup this round especially. Uh, but, uh, but as the playoffs progress, uh, my question to you is, why does Vegas see it as different? They are sixth, I believe, as far as the uh, from the top in odds. And Vegas is usually pretty good with um Well, because the idea is to spread the money around, not pick a winner. They want to get an equal number of bets on every team if possible, so the VIG takes over and they are guaranteed money. If the Penguins were, let's say, a 3-to-1 prohibitive favorite, which would be prohibitive, by the way, if they went off a 3-to-1, and 90% of the people bet on them, and the Penguins won the Stanley Cup, Vegas might get killed. Secondly, why does the national media have almost no one picking the Pittsburgh Penguins? Because it's not sexy to pick the same team over and over again. I do see that. I definitely... Uh, Who are the national media picking? Uh, I don't... Nashville seems to be like the hot, the hot pick. I'll be honest, Tamara. If you made me pick a team right now, I'd probably pick Nashville. Yeah, Winnipeg seems to be like a sexy pick of sorts. Well, Nashville and Winnipeg got to play in the second round. Okay, so that one of them is not going to make it, of course. Like, like um, put it, It's like this, too, Hammer. A month ago, everybody was picking Tampa Bay, right? Yeah. Then from March 1st till now, Tampa Bay's played only kind of okay. And uh, as a result, they're not flavor of the day anymore. Yeah, it's so impossible. Of all the, the major sports, hockey is so impossible to pick because we've seen in the past it just can go upside down. There seems to be no logic sometimes when it comes to the NHL playoffs, and that's what's the it's like the great unknown. It really is, especially in the first round. The first round is just a whole new beginning. It's cliche to say, but it really is. 
And that's where the upsets occur. But I don't think an upset will occur in the Pittsburgh-Philadelphia series. That's your cue. Whammy. Real quick, let's go to Joe in West Mifflin. Joe, you're on the Mark Madden Show. Okay, Joe wasn't paying attention. So, it's time to give away tickets. Caller number 15 right now. That's 8 plus 7 for our guest in the 3 o'clock hour, Sidney Crosby. 8 plus 7 equals 15. Caller 15 gets two tickets for tomorrow night's Game 1 against the Flyers. And up next is Coach Mike Sullivan here on the Home of the Penguins, 105.9. And now the super genius, Mark Madden. Yeah, hi, Mark. Hi. I love your show. I just talked to David Lee Rock. He said, somebody get me a doctor. The X at 105.9. My guest right now is two for two. Two seasons behind the Penguins bench and two Stanley Cups. Now he's hoping to make it three for three. He is Penguins coach Mike Sullivan. Uh, coach, like I said, you're going for three in a row. Is there more pressure because you're chasing history or less pressure because you guys have already won twice in a row? Well, I don't know if I look at it either way, Mark. I just think it's a great opportunity for us. We know how hard it is to win championships. Uh, this is certainly, the hard pro- we think, the hardest trophy in sports to win, but Certainly, it's a great opportunity for us, and that's the way we look at it. We've got a great group of players in front of us. We just have a great core here that uh, is so talented and, and so competitive, and, and, and we think we have what it takes to, uh, to win, and that's the way we look at it. We, we understand that it's going to be difficult. We know what the challenge is, uh, but certainly we're excited about the opportunity in front of us. Well, not only talented, but experienced, and really, that might be your biggest advantage going into these playoffs is the experience, right? Well, I would think it would serve us well because we have a we have a lot of experience to draw on, you know. And uh, when you look at the last couple of Stanley Cup runs that this core group of players have has gone through, there's been a lot of challenges. There's been ups and downs, and uh, you know, I think we all look back after after you win, and and you, it, it's easy to forget how difficult it was with some of the challenges that that as a group and as a team that we had to overcome. But but certainly, I think that the the experience of going through those two runs uh, certainly gives us plenty of experience to draw on uh, with any of the potential challenges we may face moving forward. What's the fatigue factor like after 295 games dating back to October of 2016? It seems like you guys might still have an extra gear. I think we do. You know, these these guys are physically fit guys. You know, they take care of themselves. Uh, I think we have a strength and conditioning staff that, that is the best in the league as far as preparing our guys physically uh so that so that we're prepared to play but but i give our players so much credit for the work and the dedication that they put in to be a, to, to be a, as fit as they can possibly be and 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 so you know i this coaching staff has never used uh fatigue as as any sort of an issue or or an excuse we we believe in this group of players we we know it's hard to win uh but certainly we believe we have what it takes every coach switches lines a lot that's the way the league is now but you seem to know when to do it. What's your feel for that? Where's that feel come from, and uh, what are the factors you you take into consideration? Well, Mark, I, I always think there's there's a fine line between uh, between moving personnel around, moving line combinations or defense pairs, and uh, and leaving things and allowing players or, or lines or defense pairs to play through stuff. And, uh, and, and I believe it's, uh, it's really a, a lot of times it's, it's a gut feeling. It's, it's a coaching staff as a group. Uh, the, the whole gut feeling of the staff on, 
on whether we think we need to make a, a tweak or an adjustment to try to be proactive to affect some change uh, because we feel as though the team needs it at a particular time in the season. You know, we've tried to settle in and have some consistency with our lines here over the last, over the last month or so. Uh, but, but certainly, uh, we don't know what's going to happen, happen moving forward. And, uh, a, a lot of times it all depends on, on how our team is playing at the time, what, what our injury status looks like and who's playing well and who isn't and, and whether or not we think we need to tweak something to affect a little bit of positive change for our team. And, and I think that's the art of coaching. It's not necessarily the science. It's, it's more the art of coaching, and a lot of it uh, comes down to gut instinct. You have Sid and Gino. No other team has Sid and Gino. All the advanced metrics duly noted, isn't that the Penguins' biggest edge? I think so. I, you know, when, when you look at uh, the strength we have, uh, at the center right position, you know there aren't too many teams in the league that can that can roll over the boards uh, a Crosby and a Malkin. In, in the uh, if you want to say it's a one-two punch, uh, we look at it as a one and one a. These guys are both uh, terrific players. They're both elite players. Uh, they're both generational players, and they're both accomplished players uh, in their own right. And so uh, these guys are always at the center of the success that the Penguins have enjoyed over the last decade plus, and, uh, and it certainly gives us, I think, a competitive advantage to have these two players uh, on, our, on our roster. We're, we, we don't take them for granted, Mark, our coaching staff. Uh, sometimes we marvel at, at what they're able to accomplish on, on a given night. Uh, they're, they're just elite players. They're terrific players, uh, and we think it gives us a competitive advantage. In 2012, the Flyers made the Penguins blow up mentally and emotionally in that playoff series. Now, I don't see a connection six years later, but how do you keep a team from getting under your skin over the course of seven games? Well, I just think we, we've got to make sure that we control our emotions and, and, and we play the game the right way so it gives us the best chance to win, regardless of who our opponent is. And, uh, you know, we, we've gone through uh, two playoff runs the last two years where uh, there's been a lot of emotion on both sides. and. There have been teams that have tried to uh, try to get under our skin and get us off our game, and that's that that's part of the the, the strategy or the tactics that that teams use to try to, uh, to to try to beat us. So I think our team has plenty of experience in, in dealing with uh, that type of a circumstance uh, that may arise. But uh, I, I just think we have to control what we can, and uh, and and it starts with our own emotional engagement, you know, and. and we have to be emotional because I think that's an important aspect of our, our overall team game and us being at our best. It's just we've got to make sure that we channel our emotions the right way. Do the Flyers play like the Penguins? Is the style similar? Because they've certainly got a lot of firepower up front, and they like to attack, don't they? They do. I, I think I think they're a very similar style of play than what, than what we play. You know, they're, they're a team that likes to stretch the ice. They're a team that's pretty good uh, within transition. They're a team that... Uh, gets their defensemen involved and they're very active in, in the uh, in the rush and and off the offensive blue line. So uh, you know I, I think they they're playing a similar style of play that that we're trying to play here in Pittsburgh. Uh, you know this is a real good team that we're playing. They they've got they've got a lot of firepower. Uh, their power play is dangerous. I think their their defensemen are very active and very involved in the offense, both off the rush and in the offensive zone and. and you know, we understand that it's going to be a big challenge. We're talking to Penguins coach Mike Sullivan here on the home of the Penguins, 105.9.
Uh, like I mentioned, Coach, you've been here three seasons. What's your take on the Pittsburgh-Philadelphia rivalry, especially compared to some of the others you've experienced, uh, whether as a player or a coach? Well, I think it, it's probably one of the more emotional rivalries in sports, uh, certainly in hockey for that matter. You know, when I was uh, when I was coaching uh, the Bruins, I was involved with uh, the Bruins-Montreal rivalry, and that's a heated rivalry uh, as well. When I was with the Rangers, there was the Rangers-Islanders rivalry. That was a, that was a pretty emotional uh, rivalry. So uh, there are a handful of them around the league, Mark, uh, but certainly I think uh, the Pittsburgh-Philadelphia rivalry is, is is one that has to be uh, ranked right up there as one of the biggest rivalries in hockey. It's, you know, they're two organizations that are proud organizations. They have strong histories. Uh, I think the fact that both teams are as competitive as they are at this particular point in time certainly elevates the emotion around the games involved. And, and these are the most fun to be a part of. Uh, you know, that, that's been my experience of being associated with rivalries of this type uh, in the in the past, so I know our, play, our players are real excited to get to get it going here. Uh, we understand that it's going to be a hard fought series. This is going to be a tough challenge, but we're looking forward to the opportunity. What needs to get better on the PK coach? Because statistically, that's the one weak link. Yeah, I, I, I think when you look at our penalty kill over the last five or six weeks, we, we think we've done a lot of really good things. Uh, what I, in, in my opinion, Mark, what, what we have to avoid is, is the, the, the real catastrophic breakdown, uh, that gives the, the, the grade AA chance. And, uh, when you look at some of the, the games or the last 10 or 12 games, for example, that we played during the regular season, we didn't, we didn't really give up a ton of chances off on, on the penalty kill. But the ones we gave up were very high quality, and and so if we can make sure that uh, that we have support mechanisms built in place where they're supposed to be, and we have cooperative effort and cooperative pressure in the certain areas of the rink where we're trying to pressure people and pressure the puck, uh, then I think we, if we can limit the, the the real high high quality chance, uh, I, I think our penalty kill has what it takes to get it done for us. I don't even know what to ask about the power play. Number one in the league, best in franchise history. I've never seen a power play so patient, Coach. I'm up in the press box. I'm almost yelling under my breath, shoot, shoot. And then they make two more passes, and the puck winds up in the net. Uh, do you secretly want them to shoot more and, and do the same thing I do? Well, I will say this, is that when we, when we do struggle as a group, that's one of the things that the coaching staff tries to reiterate to these guys is, hey, let's simplify it a little Let's simplify it a bit and let's shoot the puck and maybe we can create some offense off of the rebound or, or maybe, in fact, the, the original shot might go in the net. And so uh, that is something that we do talk to them about on occasion. You know, I've said this uh, quite often that, you know, when we deal with this particular group of players on our power play, I think as a coaching staff, we have to be careful we don't overcoach them because we believe that, you know, these guys are elite players. They, they think the game on a certain level. They see the game on a certain level that separates them from others, and we don't want to get in the way of that. So, you know, we, we give them a framework so that they can be predictable for one another. They certainly have a team concept out there in, in areas of the game where, where they're looking to try to exploit based on our pre-scouts of our opponents. But I think what separates our power play from others is their instinctive play. And, uh, and we're always cautious as a coaching staff that we don't get in the way of that. Matt Murray had kind of a checkered season, but by his own admission, he's never been a stats goalie, has he? 
No, he hasn't. I, I think the, the thing that jumps out at me when, when uh, people ask me about Matt is, is he's, a, he's a gamer. He's a guy that, that plays well uh, when the stakes are high. At least he says he's got plenty of evidence to, uh, to back that up over his first couple of seasons in the NHL. You know, I think we all forget how young he is because he's, he's accomplished so much in, in his short career to this point. But uh, listen, Matt's a real good goalie. We know that. We believe in him. You know he's had uh, a, a little bit of a, of a roller coaster when it comes to the up and the, the numbers standpoint uh, from playing goal. But when you look at some of the games that we needed to win this year, he was there to make the timely save for us, and and that's the type of goalie that he is. And I I believe that's why he's as accomplished as he is to this particular point. Where's the defense at right now? Does the depth concern you at all? Uh, I'm not talking quality, Coach. I'm talking numbers because last year you had eight or nine guys that were NHL guys. This year you got seven. Yeah, I, I think we have more than seven, Mark. They're, they're just not uh, they're, they're not as many names that, that people may be familiar with because they, they haven't played as many games here in, in Pittsburgh. But we believe we've got a real strong defense core that's played in Wilkes-Barre all year. Uh, that will give us the, the depth that we need if 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 and when that that uh, uh, that that time comes. But but certainly when you look at the the group that we have going into the playoffs this year versus the group that we have have going into the playoffs last year, we didn't have Chris Letang, and we believe Chris Letang is a difference maker. And so uh, I believe that that we have what it takes. We certainly have uh, sufficient guys that 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 we believe can get the job done. Um, you know, as I've said on a, on a number of occasions in the past couple of seasons that, uh, you know, we, we have a bit of a motley crew when you look at our defense core. They're, uh, but, but they're extremely competitive guys and they get the job done. They're a simple group. You know, I think, I think Tanger bring, brings a certain dimension, uh, to our defense core that, uh, that, that we don't have when he's not part of our lineup. Uh, but the rest of the guys, they just find ways to get it done. And, and that's what, that's what we love about them. Uh, they compete. Uh, we certainly make our mistakes like every other defense core in the league, uh, but, but they move by them. They compete for one another. They work for one another. And, and I think that's, that's what makes this particular group of defensemen what they are. And that's what we love about them as, as their coaches. Broussard practiced again today. Does he look pretty good for tomorrow night? He's had real, two real strong practices, so we're really encouraged. We'll see how he responds overnight here, but uh, but certainly we're really encouraged that uh, that he's a guy that that we think we're going to be able to utilize here. Now, two years ago in the playoffs, Nick Benino kind of produced big numbers out of nowhere. Last year it was Gensel. Who could be a guy like that this year, Coach? Who, who's kind of playing below the radar and below what he could produce? I think we've got a number of guys, you know, that that uh, that can help in that in that capacity. You know, I I think Brian Rust is a guy that that's always been uh, so good for us uh, in in our playoff runs. That uh, that's a guy that I think plays plays at his best when the stakes are high. You know, I think Jake uh, the the last handful of games, his game is really starting to take uh, the form that 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 we all expect when Jake's at his best. You know, he's another guy that tends to be a streaky guy and can really get on a run when things are going well for him. And now the super genius, Mark Madden. It's a rare chance for you to have a brush with greatness. Make the most of it. Hey, Mark, big fan, big fan. Say, here's another great name from the past. The X at 105.9. I am so happy it defies description. 
Great shows the last couple days. Playoffs ready to start at PPG Paints Arena tomorrow night. And Liverpool eliminate Manchester City from the Champions League. Just a tremendous day. And tonight, I get to do more work. My trip column, which, to be fair, is just about done. And then just general other stuff because that's all my life is, work and worry. But that's okay. Feeling pretty good right now. It's not time to ask Mark anything brought to you by Chapito Restaurant and Cigar Bar. It's the city's best seafood and shop house. So be sure to check out Chapino in the strip. Let's go to Shane in the car. Shane. Ask Mark anything. Hey, good day, Mr. Madden. What up? Um, I called a little while ago, um, and I wanted to see if you ever got to check out Hailstorm's cover of Still of the Night. No, I have not. Okay. And probably won't, but thank you for the call. I probably should. I've heard some good covers. Some group did a cover of Holy Diver by Dio that sounds really good. What group would that be? Leaves the line open. Time to ask Mark anything. 412-333-WXDX. You know, I do like that people are giving me crap on Twitter because the Pirates are off to a good start. Eight and two after ten games. Let's see how long it keeps up. And I'm not upset they're doing well. But you know what it does mean if they do well? It means that management hoodwinks you again and keeps getting your support and keeps getting your money. And then if this team does turn out to be good, they'll just disassemble it when the time comes to do that by way of making more money, just like they did in 2015. The way this team's run is never going to change. So whenever they do contend or do well, it's going to be despite ownership trying to win because ownership doesn't. Let's go to Brian and Jefferson Hills. Brian, ask Mark anything. Good day, Mark. What up? Favorite cut of steak? Prime rib. Does that count? I don't think so. Why not? Well, I mean, it's prime rib. Yeah, but it's it. Well, if 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 prime rib is a separate category, my favorite cut of steak is the tomahawk ribeye. Oh, cowboy ribeye. Yeah, I just think that uh, I think it cooks really well. I think well, it maintains flavor throughout the steak, and I think any steak that cook bone in maintains more flavor. Case in point, I go to a restaurant in. Las Vegas at the Caesar's Palace called uh, Old Homestead Steakhouse, right? They do a filet mignon bone-in. And the filet mignon has even more flavor than normal because of it. Let's go to Joe in North Hills. Joe, ask Mark anything. Doing today. What up? Hey, I'm just very curious. I've been a long-time listener. I'm curious, how did you ever become a big fan of the Manchester football team? What what you to them? I'm not a big fan of the Manchester football team, so clearly you've not listened very closely. Thank you for the call. Let's go to uh, Jeff in the car. Jeff, you're on with Double M. Mark, that was very funny. You must not listen. Hey, I wanted to check and see if you've uh, checked out the Spearmint Rhino yet, and if so, what did you think? On the north side? Correct. Yeah, it's it's fine. I mean, I'll be honest, I'm not a big fan of, of Pittsburgh strip clubs in general right now because there just aren't enough hot girls to go around. Am I right or wrong? Uh, correct. 
they're worldwide, so I don't know if you like the decor and the little different. Oh no, I, I like the club itself. The club itself is very nice. I like the girls I saw the night I was there. My good friend Alexis Amore, uh, a porn girl from L.A., was there on opening night. But a, I just don't have the time. B, most places I go, the girls let me down. Let's go to Luke in Green Tree. Luke, ask Mark anything. What up, man? What up? I was just curious what your favorite non-derogatory uh, smack talk is to call somebody. There's no such thing as a non-derogatory insult. Any insult is by the nature of being an insult derogatory. Do you mean non-profane? Non-profane, sure. Okay. Uh, I love when Jericho calls people a stupid idiot. I think Absolutely. it's so basic, right to the point. You stupid idiot. Let's go to Corey in Mount Washington. Corey, ask Mark anything. Sexy. What up? So I had a quick question for you. What was your favorite sporting event you've ever covered in your career? I've ever covered? Yeah. Super Bowl uh, run, Stanley Cup run, wrestling. Well, you see, I don't know. I mean, I mean, I covered Super Bowl thirty. For the Post Gazette, and that was a, a a thrill, I guess. I like the parties. I'm just not a football guy. You know, the, the Game Seven Cup Final at 09. I was at Detroit, did the show there. That was a big deal. You'll never walk alone. One of the great nights in club history. Cha la la la, 1059 the X.